there's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 11th, 2008. Newcomers, look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com, that's the official website, and download as much information from previous talks and help to patch up this big jigsaw puzzle that we call, at least the big boys have given us the term, the New World Order. They've had many in the past. This is just the upcoming New New World Order. Also, look into Alan Watts' Sentinel.eu and download transcripts from the various languages of Europe. Print them up and pass them to your friends because the time is getting short before we're closed down altogether. Uh, that's on the cards. There's no doubt about it. The big boys are on a roll now, and it's not simply a matter of them passing laws as it appears to be to the public at the bottom level. These organizations, these intermeshing myriads of institutions and think tanks have been working very, very hard for a long, long time, many, many years, long before you were born in order to create this global society, but not a global society based on any kind of democracy, but it's a, a global society based on a form of scientific dictatorship. They want it to be tidy, a tidy system. And at the moment, you see with us having some kind of free will, or at least the memory of free will, most people don't really have free will. They have programs that they simply repeat but free will, you see, is on memory, and freedom, too, is a memory in some countries, and that has to be eradicated through a more totalitarian type of regime worldwide, instituted worldwide, from the top, because, as I say, it's too untidy when we make our own decisions. Right now, we've been brought up with the television generation. People are in old-age homes now who've been brought up from birth on television thinking that their whole reality was the way it was portrayed to them on television. And, of course, that's the fake one. You tune in every night, you get this bizarre downloading of partial truths, complete lies, and utter trivia. Everything is so surrealistically intertwined and meshed together that it seems like a, a strange pantomime where nothing really matters anymore. And that's intentional because the news was not always like that. That's been the same way, at least the version we have at the moment, for about 20-odd years. But before that, it wasn't like that at all. Actual news was kept separate from sports, Hollywood, and trivia and fiction. And sports only came on at the weekend, generally for a few hours on a Saturday, and that was it. Why have they done that? Because because you have to be put into a kind of la-la land 
players are saying nothing is real like the Beatles songs go strawberry fields forever long ago big players in this agenda came out publicly voicing not so much their concerns but their opinions on society and how it should be run Aldo Huxley was one of them the Huxley who wrote novels but also was involved in many of the big think tanks based in New York and London it's an odd thing that he died of cancer of the tongue something reserved for those who say too much I hear the music coming so I'll be back after these messages I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just before the break, I was mentioning the fact that this new part of the New World Order wants to tidy up the planet. And by that I mean that it's simply too inefficiently run at the moment where we're all making our own personal choices. That's just too untidy. And so they want a planned society. Now, we've heard of planned parenthood. They want the planned society where people for the next 20, 30 years will be voluntarily sterilized to save Mother Earth and they're already indoctrinating children in kindergarten along this particular road. So don't be surprised when you see them growing up and wearing little badges saying, I was sterilized to save old Gia. That will definitely come. Anything to be made to happen with enough indoctrination at the right age. And we're on a roll, as I say, if people have been noticing strange things with the Internet, it's because all the big servers are coming together as one and piping everything, all information through the NSA. For those who are expecting mail back from me, I'm getting blocked from a lot to a lot of people now. A lot of blockage comes right back to me. So the games are at play, and they've admitted at the top through the newspapers that special teams have been set up to attack websites that don't go along or anti-government or don't go along with this particular program of the, the governments at the moment. So I'm one of them. I'm getting attacked all the time. So as I say, if you haven't heard back from me, it's not because I haven't written. I just get all the mail bounced right back. Now, I've mentioned, as I say, that the majority of the public float through their lives never, ever really knowing what's going on. And because they parrot the same information to each other, generally from the previous day's news, they all think they're sane. But the things that are happening today were discussed and published in books by big players 50, 60, 70 years ago, including the need to reduce the population because even with world wars, the population would still be too high. For their books, that is. And they do love accounting at the top and neatness and tidiness. And so they went over all the systems that depopulated people in the past. You'll hear Huxley, you'll hear Wells, you'll hear many of the big players, Charles Galton, Darwin, bemoaning the fact that the Black Death had been sort of ruled out and bewailing the fact too that with a rising health care, 
the public would live too long. That annoyed them and upset them, especially when they said that we're all useless eaters. We don't really have an important part to play in this destiny of the world. We're just consumers and producers, you see. We don't have the right intellects. We have no virtue, and they love the word virtue. That's why you have virtual reality coming in, high Masonic term. And therefore, most of us have to go. We have no real purpose in the world. And with this great healthcare industry that's been promoted worldwide, the first part, of course, being abortion worldwide, through the United Nations and through every country funding it, especially to third world countries. Along with that, we've seen people in the so-called first world countries get sicker and sicker by premature aging diseases. Incredible, incredible rates of arthritis and juvenile and adolescent arthritis and various other ailments that should not hit people at that age. And everything ties in to the inoculation agenda. There's no doubt about that. When most people in the Western world have compromised immune systems, something attacked their immune system. Read the old books and you'll put two and two together and you'll come up with the answer because they published these facts and I've read them before, even the ones from Lord Bertrand Russell where he said the needle would be used with good effect. The needle. The horrific part is most people can hear this stuff and read it for themselves and still say, well, I, I know they said it, but they didn't really mean it. No one could be that monstrous. And that's why, precisely why, those at the top, this big global elite club, get away with it. We have been trained, you have this paternal organization at the top that somehow are born from different wombs with a special altruistic gene. They want to help us, big daddy. And goodness gracious, daddy is showing his fangs. I've mentioned too that above parliaments and governments, you have big foundations that are the front organizations to fund the non-governmental agencies that push the policies and draw up the policies for the planet. In Britain, these have royal charters to exist. You cannot put the word royal in anything without a charter from the crown, the strange supra-governmental organization called the crown. And the base of the Royal Institute of International Affairs in England, their home house is called Chatham House. Chatham House is the home of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. In New York, they call it the Council on Foreign Relations. It's the same organization. You couldn't call it royal. It might have upset Americans of the past. I don't think about the present. I don't think it upset too many because of the propaganda that's, that's been undertaken. And the and in New York is the Harold Pratt building. Now this non-governmental organization which drafted up the policies and the strategy for the integration of the Americas and came out on Canadian Broadcasting Corporation television to tell us that they'd done it, very proud of it themselves. This non-governmental organization that has think tanks and fingers in every pie across the globe has written about the fact that they've been studying a project to do with the world's food.
food supply for the next 50 to 100 years. Now Chatham House also was turned in to the headquarters of the OSS during World War II and from the OSS came MI6 and the CIA. Same building, same house. This is from their own website. UK food supply in the 21st century, the new dynamic. Now here's this non-governmental, non-political organization that drafts up policies that governments sign into law on about the food system. Now that there are five big agri-food businesses and you'll find the members who have the controlling shares in them all are members of the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. UK food supply in the 21st century, the new dynamic. In addition to our established areas of research, Chatham House undertakes an increasing number of initiatives that combine our regional, regional again, that's the UN regional parts, and thematic expertise to focus on specific areas of policy. This project, UK food supply, in the 21st century, the new dynamic is a major component of that effort. Now, this is not just Britain. Every Commonwealth country across the planet has its own RIIA organization, and the U.S. is simply called Council on Foreign Relations. So they're doing the same thing in every country. The project was given its public launch in 2007 following 18 months of evaluation. Project stakeholders can log in to the Food Supply Project website. The research is focused on the future, examining the effects of global trends on the networks that supply two staples, wheat and dairy project, uh, 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 wheat and dairy to the UK market. Now you've seen the news. This, this is after all this was published a while ago. In the news now, suddenly, suddenly, of a sudden, there's a massive wheat shortage worldwide. It's going to cause disaster. There's already riots in Haiti. I told you years ago, Food will be used as a weapon. It is already. And here's the guys behind it. The work is built around the core panel of stakeholders with research expertise drawn from centers of excellence around the country, highlighting the challenges to be faced. It is giving participants a system-wide perspective and will develop through scenario-based analysis the options open to professionals across each supply network. Research undertaken between March and November 2007 included a series of interviews and discussions with leading players within and around Britain's wheat and dairy supply networks. The work indicates that there are widespread doubts about the ability of global food production to meet rising demand with constraints on the availability of energy. They own that too, remember. They've got to answer all your energy through the Kyoto. Water, another staple that you need for survival and land frequently identified as issues of particular significance. Overall, there is an expectation of significant structural change in existing food supply arrangements and the policies that support them. And there is a belief that Britain as a society has a number of important choices to make if it is to secure the kind of supply arrangements that best support its interests. These preliminary findings will influence the next stages of project research, in particular the development of four global scenarios that could shape the future of the UK foods supply.
variables to be considered in this process include global responses, including from major emerging economies such as China and India, the role of science and technology, the respective roles of government, industry and consumers, and the best way to encourage desired behaviours, interesting phrase, the best way to encourage desired behaviours and operating practices. Much of the work will be done in a series of by-invitation workshops. In other words, don't, don't try to go. You won't get in over the next six months. The next to be located at the headquarters of the National Farmers Union in Stone Lay will be held 11 to the 12th and 18th and 19th March. Major review conference will take place in the last week of June 2008. Back with more after the following messages. Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix trying to show that nothing is happening by chance. You're simply living through an agenda, a big long-term, long-range business plan set out long ago. They look to society and what society needs to survive and how to make people obedient by using all kinds of weaponry, including food and water, energy for heating and all the rest of it. And now they're closing the net on the public. This is the age of crisis creation. Crisis creation. Everywhere you look, it's a crisis. Suddenly, it's a crisis. There's nothing sudden about it, really, because, as I say, they wrote about it a long time ago. And now the big boys that are interlocked at the top worldwide are pulling it off through their front organization called the United Nations. And this is from MSN News, April 11th. UN Food Agency, this is to tie in with all this stuff that the Royal Institute for International Affairs is putting out, you see. UN Food Agency soaring food prices to persist. Millions worldwide are vulnerable, developing nations especially at risk. And it gives you a picture of protesters. Protesters blocked by riot police as they try to march towards the presidential palace to deliver a mock birthday cake and gift to the Philippine president, Gloria Arroyo, on her 61st birthday in Manila. The protesters called Naroya to step down, blaming her government for rising food and oil prices. Now you can see why they've been building up this international army of riot police and military. Then it goes on to Haiti. Haitian Prime Minister told to step down on April the 10th. Haitian senators called for the resignation of Prime Minister Jacques Edouard Alexis after a week of violent demonstrations against the climbing cost of food. The violence killed at least five people, NBC's Mara Chevel-Campo reports on Nightly News. And there's more links to that to do with it. Now, remember, Haiti as well, another country that the United Nations has been heavily involved in for about 15 years now, in which is policed, actually, by, of all things, the RCMP, the Royal, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, who donned blue berets years ago and went over there to stop other riots in this poverty-stricken country. Wherever the UN goes, it gets worse. In comes the World Bank that gives out the loans to start intensive farming using all the chemicals, which depletes the soil in no time at all, being more dependent on the chemicals, which keep you up in prices, and the people can't pay it back. This is simply too high. These loans are extortionate. 
and it's not meant to help them out. It's to put them into further servitude to their masters. And Haiti and those who used to control Haiti have long memories because it was the first country really occupied by slaves that rebelled against their masters a long time ago. And before I go on to call, I was like to call, read this other part too. To do is, it's exactly the same news we're getting worldwide in different countries, but it doesn't tell you that if you look into a particular country's news. Whatever laws are getting passed in Britain are getting passed in Canada and the States at the same time. We're all tied together, you see, under NATO, the scrambled atom. All UK citizens in an ID database by 2017 by Philip Johnson, Home Affairs Editor, and this was put out in 7th of March 2008. All British citizens will have their fingerprints and photographs registered on a national ID database within 10 years under plans obtained by the government. Millions of sensitive jobs, including teachers, sensitive job, a eh? teacher, carers and health workers, in other words, all those who get a government uh, paycheck, be amongst the first to be entered onto the identity register. In a bid to kickstart the project, the world's biggest foreign nationals working in Britain will begin to be issued with cards from November starting next year. The first, the first British citizens will be enrolled beginning with some airport staff, power station employees and people working on the London Olympic site. Fingerprint kiosks modelled on existing photograph booths and stations and shops to be set up around the country to help people enroll. Plans outlined by Jackie Smith, the Home Secretary, yesterday envisage a fee of £30, that's $60, for a standalone card, and more than £100 for a combined ID card and passport. Well, that's the beauty of democracy, you see. You get to buy your own chains and the rope that hangs you. But ministers have been told by their own expert that enrolment should be free if the scheme is to win the hearts and minds. Oh, my goodness. Could it win the hearts and minds of the little people? A report commissioned by Gordon Brown from Sir James Crosby, a former banking chief, I was going to say chef there, because he cooks the books, raised the prospect of the taxpayers stumping up the full cost. Of course they will. The government has insisted all along that the multi-billion pound scheme would be funded through fees and not taxes. Sir James also came out against including a digital image of the cardholder's fingerprints on the microchip in each ID card. So there's a microchip in the card, you see. For security reasons, the card and database should only hold some elements of a biometric, he said. That's to begin with, of course. His report was published alongside a new government timetable for introducing a universal ID scheme by 2017, the same as every other country on the planet. From the start of 2010, young people, again love 2010, don't they? Young people will be able to get an identity card if they choose and will be issued with a unique personal identity number. Later that year, the scheme will be opened up to voluntary applicants of any age. Got to use the mousetrap. I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and showing you that what's happening in your own country is happening in every other country. But no one wants to mention that fact, so you discover all the different papers. And this is from the Telegraph. One more paragraph, then I'll go to the phone. From 2012, after the next general election, anyone applying for a new passport will automatically be fingerprinted and 49 pieces of personal information, same as the U.S. and Canada, will be logged on the database. I love 49. That's why they drew up the parallel between the U.S. and Canada. The Masons did that, you see. 49er, my darling Clementine. This is three years later than planned when the scheme was first proposed after the September 11th terrorist attacks in 2001. I guess the author forgot to mention they tried to pass it in 1998, but there was no reason to do so, and the public objected. Now I'm going to go to the phones, and we have Brian from Brazil. Are you there, Brian? Yes, hello, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. I'm just calling to comment on chemtrails. I've been observing a lot lately. Uh, for those who have been following in North America and Europe, uh, Brazil, majority of and most of South America, is also uh, receiving heavy, heavy spraying through Argentina as well. And this past two weeks uh, in the northeast here where we're not used to any rainfall at all. We had uh, a migration of about 400,000 families moved off their land from uh, massive rains and flooding in the northeast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it seems to be Agenda 21 in motion. It is in motion, and you're right on. It's Agenda 21, and there's no doubt about it. They do use the spray coupled with harp to, to bring on uh, tremendous storms, and that is in the Weather Warfare Treaty signed the United Nations in the 1970s. People should check yes, into yes. it. Yeah, it's happening. And also another comment on the chemtrails from uh, from H.G. Wells, Things to Come. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about the, the, the manufacture of this stuff, and the day may not be distant when it has eugenic applications or for manipulating the genes of the population. But that's right. And this weekend, I'll be doing a special on the chemtrails, because now there's evidence, as I've been saying, there's aerosolized Prozac and Valium in it as well to drug yes. the public. Yeah. Uh, you can see the reaction in the public. Like here you have in the Northeast uh, uh, an exodus of, you know, 1.5 million people, and there's not a blink of an eye or a reaction. Yes. Yeah. And that tells you it is the uh, agenda. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, one more comment, too, about... Uh, your work on uh, the United uh, the United States as uh, the first openly Masonic uh, republic or, or country, uh, Brazil as well. Looking into the history, is is intensely Masonic, and agreements are published too with the the Grand Orient of England as well. Yes, anything to do with uh, Bra. Bra, by the way, is a little Masonic joke for two. The Jew ad. It, it's a cross your heart type deal, but. Uh, but, but there's no doubt about it. Uh, you'll look into all of the Latin American countries and you'll find uh, high Masonic um, symbolism. The whole of the Americas, in fact, is the same uh, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Alan, and uh, hopefully I'll call in again in the future. Yeah, thanks for calling. And i got Rick in California. Are you there, Rick? Hi, Alan. Yes. Oh, hi. Um, I just wanted to, to, to mention a couple things. Um, um, I hear people complaining about the system a lot, and um, and I, I'll chime in. I'll say, yeah, and they want to, um, you know, they wanted to, to, to catalog children based on their uh, DNA that that they'll be criminals and they'll be on parole, or or I'll say the British government wants to microchip uh, prisoners or microchip people, 
and they'll say, oh, well, I, th- I think that's a great idea. People, people say that just so flippantly, casually. Yeah. You know, and so it just shows how brainwashed people are. And, well, that's the first thing. The second thing I want to mention is, um, you know that caller who, who called in um, arguing with you about religion? And, um, Jeff Jeff from Texas, I believe it was? Uh-huh, yeah. I went to his um, his YouTube video and listened to it, and, and uh, he he um, got, got kind of angry and told on himself. He had said, um, you know, I, when I was in the military, he mentioned he had been in the military, and and he um, said that during 9-11 in New York, he was in the Cosmopolitan Hotel, which you, must, you could be sure it's pretty pretty expensive. And and then he said, you know, to, to when you were talking about the Ark, you know, he... he, he um, his thing to refute that, he said, oh, I'm a specialist in foreign languages. And I told someone that, I told a friend that, and I said, that, that's intelligence. That's military intelligence. And um, so, so he kind of he tells, tells on himself a lot. That he, and then, then the other guy, Lucas, that called after him, he apparently knows him, too. Oh, I'm sure they know each other. And you don't understand, too, there are also plants, organized plants out there who try to trip up hosts because under various hate law crimes, if they can try and trip you up, and get you off the air. So these guys can also work for the CIA, who generally are behind all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I already called Republic. My power is to offer my support and say how much I like you and, and to keep you on the air no matter what and ask him if anybody is called. Because he, he said, this guy Jeff said he was going to call um, radio shows to, quote-unquote, expose you, you know? Or, you oh, know, yeah, what? yeah. Yeah, there's a definite attack, and I'm well aware of them. Mm-hmm. And I expect it because... Uh, as I, I talked about last week, many of these supposed hate groups were actually CIA front organizations that use uh, various hate t- terminology to try and trip you up, get you in, uh, fouled up, and then get you off the air. As long as they get you off the air, that's the main purpose, not use any technique to do it. Mm-hmm. What could I do to help? I mean, I'd like to contribute, and I, and I will. I have in the past, and when I get some more money, it's kind of kind of having a hard time right now financially, mm-hmm. but... Uh, what, what else can I do to help to, to, to um, you know, to, 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 to stop people from it, from getting you um, off here? There's not a lot you can do, and I, I tell people to use their own common sense when they're listening to shows, and, and realize that that there are government-sponsored agents out there, just like they have scouring the internet, they scour the radio shows. The Pentagon's already admitted it. They have uh, organizations set up to go over every radio host and everything they've ever said to see if you can find any reason to bring charges against them for, for being anti-government. And so they have their plants out there who are paid to call in shows and, and really harass the hosts. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's all. I just wanted to say how much I like you. And, um, you know, he said Mike Power said something about you getting on five days a week, so that would be nice. But <laughs> I don't know if you have, you know, well, I, I just want to offer my support. And, um I'm with you, Alan. Okay, thanks for calling. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. Now there's Mark from Wisconsin. Are you there, Mark? Aldous Huxley, uh, I believe it was 1962-1961 at Berkeley. Are you familiar with that speech? That's on my website, yeah. Yes, it is. Everyone should download download that because he speaks rather frankly about how governments use uh, terrorism uh, to create stress to increase suggestibility in the populations. Mm-hmm. I have another one, too, I'll be putting up from another interview he gave where he goes a bit further even than, than that one. Yeah. Oh, I, I would be very interested in getting that. What's, what's that one called, Alan? I'll put it up this weekend uh, on my site. 
I'll be doing a special talk, and uh, I'll add that to it so you'll be able to find it. Okay, and and uh, it piqued my interest because he was speaking about suggestibility too. Twenty uh, percent mm-hmm. of the population is extremely suggestible. Uh, yeah. There's there's a middle part, uh, and and the top part is twenty percent. So I guess that leaves sixty percent in the middle. And sixty percent actually go under. It's not. He actually said in other uh, talks he gave, and his figures were were, <clears throat> were much higher. He said sixty percent go under suggestibility immediately. In other words, sixty percent of the public don't question the media much at all. They, they think it's all true. That's that's what I was thinking. Now it, it may have been true back then, but I think people are much more suggestible now. They are. Yeah, they definitely are. Yeah. And and that brought me to another question. I uh, I've heard some subliminal tapes before, and I know it's rather important to uh, 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 the narrators will say, please make sure you have the 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 left side on. You know, uh, you know how the speakers are separated left and right, and I guess that's rather important. Can you explain uh, why that's important? Why the speakers on what? Why why they have a left and a right uh, audio feed? Oh well, yeah, left and right again. It's to do with with the, the different parts of the brain. Um, your, your speech centers, look, what you're hearing is in your temporal lobe, <coughs> and uh, I think the only organs really that come together into the same part are the eyes. But the hearing, everything else, is to do with with two different sides of your brain logic. And versus emotion, so you can you can actually work things depending on how you you, you set up a hall with lighting and sound, and it's used even in the music industry to get special effects uh, in the audience. Um, if you know what you're doing, it's a science in itself, which will affect behaviour and mood and so on. And even they use it in big cinemas, big theatres, uh, movie houses where the speakers will, you'll hear a certain sound during a horror, or it might come from one part of, of, of the hall, not the other speaker, and that's to affect the emotional side of your, of your mind. Yeah. So when we go to the movie, we could actually be, be programmed in a hundred different ways um, with, with these various methods of, of uh, programming. Well, you, you are. You are. They wrote a lot about it in the 60s. They tried different techniques of even bringing smells and scents into the, the theatre. They even had some theatres rigged so that the chairs would even uh, shake or move if you thought you were in a car. And the whole idea is the more senses they can fool, the more believable the story is, and therefore whatever messages are in the story will, will be downloaded and stay in your memory much, much easier. So this is a, a technique uh, that was used a long, long time ago and is, is actually better to do. And the high definition, by the way, television is even better than normal eyesight. If you're looking outside, you don't see everything in focus at the same time. So the idea is to make you uh, get, it, get used to eventually have implants in the eye. That is coming with, with cyborg-type tech, uh, technology. It's already here, actually. They can do it. And, and um, it will also um, have no doubt about it at all, the high definition. Why would it be passed by law that every manufacturer must put out high-definition television? There's a reason for it. It will be far more effective than the regular television is, and that's bad enough. And, and uh, that also brings up the, the government is planning, out, planning on giving out vouchers to people so that they can get on cable. Uh, yes, you're, that's right. I mean, that's a priority, isn't it? So uh, they want everyone to have their, their very specialized downloading uh, that will be more effective than even the old one, and I'd say that was bad enough. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Alan. Yeah, thanks for calling.
So, yeah, we're on a, a roll uh, of indoctrination. Huxley was quite right. He did take part in some of the big think tanks. That's why he could speak uh, kind of openly, well, partially. Uh, he was guarded in certain topics, but he did lay out the agenda. He himself was terribly worried about overpopulation. And, again, he mentioned the food supply, riots. But he also mentioned the fact that private organizations, big he saw the future as being run by big uh, international corporations that would take over from governments and, and be further apart from a democratic-type systems than ever before. And that ties in with Professor Carl Quigley's summarization of the same technique and when he said that the next system will be a new feudal-type system where the CEOs of corporations will be the new overlords of the public. Well, you see, that's what's happened. And it was planned to be that way. It's not by mistake. It was planned to be that way. Democracy was given to the public for a short time to stop them from rioting within their own countries, to stop them from rebelling. But the real governments that already existed, an elite type of government, it never went away. It sat in the background and still controlled things, still does and now just simply taking us on with the use of science to the next level of control and over the long-term plan, and they always work long-term, they hope to have a hundred years war. And out of that hundred years war, everything that we know today is being kind of normal, whatever's left of normalcy that constantly changes, and the trouble with normal always gets worse, is that a hundred years later, you could never recognize the kind of society it would be. It truly will be uh, a brave new world, a la Huxley, and uh, you'll have special designed people or slaves to do specific tasks, ideal design. That's the real meaning of ID, ideal design. And it's coming upon us very, very fast. And for those who also wonder why the big boys, certain big corporations like Gates, for instance, Bill Gates, I am the will of the gatekeeper. They always have a gatekeeper in the lodges, you see. Uh, how he was put up to be the front man and broke every rule in the book regarding ownership and patents and all the rest of it uh, from other companies. He just simply amalgamated them all into his own company and was put to the top without ever ending up in court. That's because the CIA controls the biggest corporations. They set a lot of them up, in fact from the very beginning, because in a new world where you, where you supposedly science and technology would dominate uh, enemies and uh, over enemies, then you had to make sure there was no real free competition. You have to make sure that everything that comes out technological-wise is stuff that you put out and have authorized to be put out. And that's why Mr. Gates was put to the top. Same with Monsanto. Monsanto has taken over most of the seed of the planet simply did it because no one had thought of patenting the seeds that were handed down for centuries and centuries and centuries. So by using legalism, they simply say, well, no one's done it before. It's ours. We'll just put the, the patent on this and that seed. It's now ours. Now you can't use it without paying us a fee. And they're doing that. And in Vanity Fair of all magazines, which I think was another one put out by the big boys a long time ago, they have a, an article on this Monsanto's harvest of fear. And this says, 
Monsanto already dominates America's food chain with its genetically modified seeds. Not just America, by the way, it mandated it in India, and the Rothschilds have been buying up the hundreds of farms in India as they throw the farmers off the land. And uh, they own a good part of the planet now. Now it's targeted milk production, just as frightening as a corporation's tactics, ruthless legal battles against small farmers, is a decades-long history of toxic contamination. That's on May 2008 Vanity Fair. And it goes into their tactics and how literally they're untouchable. Every, every court, every, every judge in the world so far has been told to always back Monsanto in all of the cons that they've pulled on the farmers. And every court, as far as I know, has gone along with this and always found in favor of Monsanto. In other words, it's a must-be that this corporation rules all the seed of the planet. There's no doubt about that. Once again, there'll be CIA MI6 backed from the very, very beginning. It's untouchable, obviously. Untouchable. The court cases they had in Canada, uh, they stated to the poor farmers out Alberta way, Saskatchewan, that um, if you had their, their seed on your land growing, even if it came off a truck or a bird pooped it out on your land, they don't care. By law, you're guilty. And they charge you so much money in the fines, they put you out of business. This, again, is a, is a must-be. It's a must-be. What kind of justice is that? Masonic justice, you see, so must be. Back with more after the following messages. Hi folks, Alan Watts back, cutting through the matrix, and we're mowing through it today. I've got one more last caller. It's Robert from New York City. Are you there, Robert? Yeah, hi, Alan. Um, I have a question about, um, you know how you mentioned that uh, the original assassins um, were shown, you know, these uh, luxurious, um, you know, uh, palaces and were, that was used as a lure or used to... Uh, tempt them uh, to, uh, you know, become assassins in, in the hope that they could have that kind of luxury. Um, well, they were, they were actually taken in as orphans in right. Afghanistan by the first uh, Grand Master, uh, that, the old man in the mountain, and um, they were brought in a mountain paradise and given lots of uh, hashish and so on. That's where the word assassin comes, hashashin. Right. And, um, uh, and so they were trained, and they were given education too, and then set out into the world to become advisors to other caliphs and so on, and kings and princes across the, the areas. And they could work for them for years and years and years, but if the command came, there was like a sleeper and spy syndromes, they would simply do what they were told, and they'd be the lone knife man. They'd go up there, kill who, their target, even the king, and stand there waiting to be caught. Yeah. I see. Well, what I was going to ask was, um, do you think there might be some kind of modern equivalent of that where people who uh, are, say, politicians or media people are shown um, a place where the elites have, say, all of their uh, secret technology 
Um, I'm sure there's layers of it, in fact. You'll never see the top, but it can certainly be shown what appears to be a showpiece uh, with the promise that if they go along with it, they and their families will be spared. And you probably know that all politicians in the Western world uh, back in the mid-90s admitted, it was in the newspapers at the time in Canada too, that all politicians and their families would be given special hospital treatment for anything that happened in uh, very good military hospitals right. the public would be barred for them. They never told us why that would be. But along with that, they were also promised, I, I know this, I know that they were promised special real inoculations against specific diseases that would break out. And they, so, so they're, they're paid off and bribed off. Yeah. And, of course, they think they're special. However, I do believe that once their usefulness is over, uh, they, they won't get into any underground paradise. Right. I see. Well, do you think that the elites might have, um, you know, secret colonies maybe either inside the Earth or on Mars or somewhere else? Well, they have them on the Earth. We know that. But if you go into the writings of Herodotus, for instance, the Egyptians even had underground places to go in times of travel. Uh, so did um, the Greeks of Mount Parnassus. So did the, the Brahmins of the northern India, the Himalayas. They got whole chambers dug right. up. You could hide for a hundred years. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only times of trouble, but where they, you know, let their hair down and uh, use all their their neat stuff like anti gravity and maybe uh, maybe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever high technology will certainly be available in the, in the real ones. As I say, there'll be front ones too for certain people to be shown to get them right. in to work for them but they'll be the real ones with the high technologies that's never shown to the public yeah i see thank you yeah thanks for calling well that's it from hamish and me in a sleety rainy snowy day in ontario canada thanks for those who put in donations it keeps me going don't forget to keep it coming so from hamish and myself ontario canada it's good night and may your god or your gods go with you